Welcome back to another episode of J Crypto. Today I'm here joined by Glenn and Greg from Empower. Um, Glenn was on the channel, I don't know how many months ago, but it's been a bit. A lot of fun last time that you were on. A lot of impact too. I know that there were some people that really liked our, our show. And your project is all about impact. So maybe I'll put the first interview in the uh, description so people can check that out too if they want. But uh, now we're joined by Greg as well. So Greg, this is uh, our first time meeting. We were chatting a bit, having some fun. If you guys could just introduce yourselves and and maybe just like the brief, the brief uh, you know, we'll get into what you guys have done since our last interview, but what is Empower? That would be awesome. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Always good to be here and good to see you again. So, so yeah, my name is Glenn Jordan. I'm the co-founder of Empower. Um, I'm a Zimbabwean by birth, which and upbringing, and and an African for most of my life. Uh, recent, recently moved from Cape Town in South Africa uh, to Amsterdam, where I bumped into Greg. The um, so you recently to, sorry to jump in there, Glenn. So you, sure. So you recently just moved from Africa to to Amsterdam. To, to Amsterdam, correct. About two years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah before before all of this. Yeah, yeah. So it's a part of part of it was was was, was here, but okay. being a Zimbabwean, as you can imagine, Zimbabweans have very little faith in centralized governmental system. If you know anything about the history of Zimbabwe, it's a, it's a, a fantastic uh, case of how governments don't work. So I think if you want to put into government failures and centralized system failures. You can kind of put Venezuela and Zimbabwe as the poster boys of how governments can take wealthy countries and destroy them, creating massive poverty for the mass for the most of the population. So, so with that, you can understand where decentralization, why decentralization and blockchain technology becomes for me particularly really exciting because it's an opportunity to to overcome, you know, Zimbabweans, if you're born in a, in a country, which is a random piece of, particularly in Africa, literally you've got people who randomly drew lines on a map and you can be born on one side of that line or on the other side. And that can impact your life so profoundly in terms of how much wealth you can create, how wealthy you are, how much you can eat, whether you can have a house and, you know, all this constant chat around, you know, sort of, I deserve it, I've worked hard, it's my right kind of stuff, to realize that that kind of randomness creates the kind of impact that we're talking about. And John, uh, Charles Hoskinson refers a lot to, you know, why should somebody born on the wrong side of a line be jeopardized just because they're born on the wrong side of a line? And that's the power of blockchain for me and the exciting part of, of what we can do and how we can change, change things and change structures. Yeah, no, I love uh, the whole concept once i understood the least to own side of it's very sound it feels very sound you know it's early and i always try to preface that for the audience right because we're all kind of experimenting but i did like the substance behind some of the emphasis like the kind of the blueprint of where you guys are going with this but why don't we get over to glenn um excuse me <laughs> why don't we go away from greg. glenn and greg <laughs> For a second and get him up here and introducing himself too sure uh 
It's always tricky when Glenn and I are both on a call. We even trip, trip each other up sometimes. <laughs> um, so like Glenn, also born and raised in South Africa, uh, or in Africa, in my case, in South Africa, moved also to Amsterdam about a year and a half ago now, so a bit more recent. Uh, previously, I'd been working on a business that was focused on uh, student loans and student funding and being able to offer interest-free student, student funding across the continent moved over to, to the Netherlands, connected with Glenn, realized that he was trying to tackle a similar problem, but even lower in the Maslow hierarchy of needs, shelter and housing, um, and in a Web3 space. So really was drawn to that. And yeah, you know, I think as anyone growing up across the continent, you realize how access to capital and or the lack of access to capital so often determines your trajectory, you know, I was dealing in the student lending space where people were getting student loans at 27%, you know, and now you're saying, how do I go ahead and build a career when I've had to take money to study and saddle myself with 27% interest on a student loan? And then you say, okay, um, let's look at a place like Mozambique where we're starting our, our housing journey and people have a home loan at between 20 and 30%, you know, and, you know you move here to, to Europe as I have, and you hear people getting interest rates of one and a half, one point six percent student loans. That's like the biggest thing too. It's like, yeah, guys, like for people that are listening, I mean, the interest rates on some of these loans are ridiculous, especially when exactly. they go into um, the regions, Mozambique. I guess you just mentioned, but some other, some of the other regions in yeah. Africa, especially, is that correct? Like thirty percent. 20% like that's on a home loan that's that's really high like for us or other you know certain countries that's insane that's insanity so exactly so i mean when you start to say capital is so expensive you know, we take for granted that you can go and study get access to education as an example and utilize that we take for granted that you can live in your home you know enjoy the asset work towards owning the asset um we just take that for granted in the developed, more developed markets. But the reality is for many in developing markets, that's not the case. So you're saving up for 20 years to be able to buy a home. You're having to build it yourself with potentially inferior building technologies or inferior materials because that's the only way you can have a home. And so being able to combat that kind, those kinds of challenges um, you know, really unlocks a whole bunch of potential because being in a reliable home, being in a safe home, having that safe space, you know, that's the, a foundation on which you can get a better education, have better health care, have better health outcomes, et cetera. I mean, we'll get into post that over, the, over today's call. What might be good to go into too, it's my favorite part of this project. And I think it's like so cool. When, when um, even for younger people in a developed country like the US, like if you're living in a city if you're able to find a lease to own, that's like the golden, you know, like that's like the golden egg of for young people in the US for, for a lot of different places around the world for certainly. Um, that option isn't always clear to find. It's hard to find that even in developed countries. But what you guys have done with providing, I guess, that access to capital, right? Uh, from, you know, all over the world, people can kind of fund these 
uh, loans that are given to developers to develop a property where tenants now that lease start to build equity in that home apartment, however you guys are, you know, maybe building that out in the future. I know that there's been a few cases and we can get into those. Now people in, uh, what are the specific regions, just so that way I don't have to just say like, you know, Africa, what are the specific regions? Like, what are a few of the tests, like regions, just throw a couple out there for people to hear. So yeah, we've started in, in Beira, in Mozambique, as the case study. Okay. And we did that both for Catalyst and now for the next phase. Um, and Beira is, is, a, is two reasons for Mozambique, well, number of reasons Mozambique, but Mozambique is one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, and, it is, and it has a very, the infrastructure from a crypto perspective, from a financial perspective, is completely lacking. So we knew that if we could do this in Mozambique, in this kind of environment, we could do it anywhere. So it was really starting from- That's the, you know, that's yeah. the exciting part, because yeah. what I was about to say is like, that's a golden egg to find anywhere, like a, a lease to, you know, a lease to own. If you're a good tenant, if you're working hard, trying to build a life, like finding that, you know, lower level entry, um, you can pay your rent, right? And, and you don't maybe necessarily need all the credit because- you know, they can take it back over if you stop paying. Um, but still, it's like something that people search for. So the fact that you were able to make that a, a reality where, where affordable housing is already very difficult to find and provide lease to own projects for tenants is really one of the, like, it's my favorite part, I think about Empower when I think about it. It's like, that's, that's amazing because if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. Absolutely. And you know, the, the thing that we take into account is, as you can imagine, what happens is if there is no, there are 600 mortgages, Mozambique, the country we're in, there are 600 mortgages out of a country of 30 million people. So there's, that's the banking system. Now, as that's non-existent. I mean, that is only the very, very top, you know, at that interest rate, at, there's no infrastructure to support. 30%, anything. right? That's like the current... 30% interest rates at times, like 20, yeah. 30%. That's insane. Correct. And so that's why you have 600 mortgages. Yeah. That's it. So you can imagine the banks have no mortgage infrastructure. They have no mortgage. Nobody knows how to do a mortgage. You know, you can imagine that it, it's, so everything becomes limited. That's in the financial sector. Then in the building sector, why would you create housing? Why would you build housing? You only create housing for people who can buy it cash. So you create for the top end, but you don't create for the, for the affordable level, for the middle class. So what we call the working, you know, the working poor, which, which is the middle class in any other country. You know, nurses, teachers, that the kind that of thing. People that run the, the jobs exactly. for the country to function too. Like exactly. Where, yeah. This whole thing is like, it's all connected. Like the, this needs to be solved in places around the world and the place that you're starting. If you can solve it there, you can solve it anywhere. I really like that, by the way. Yeah, but keep going, Glenn. Go on. Absolutely. So, so you can imagine, why would a developer exist? Can, you can imagine, so a developer, to borrow money to build a home has to pay yeah. 30%. They wouldn't live there. They'd be developing <laughs> somewhere else, right? Exactly. He's not going to do it. So, so the whole thing around it is, is by this, we're enabling the developer to develop the house, offtake through this lease to own process 
And that's a key part. So you're building the chain. So you're building the capacity at each level. And that's what's really exciting about what we're doing. So we're supporting the developer as well as the end user through this process. So we're creating capacity to build because just throughout Africa, if you exclude South Africa, uh, Kenya, and Egypt, there are literally only a handful of, of players on the continent who can produce more than 100 affordable homes in a year. That's why there's a backlog of 50 million homes in Africa. So, so because there's no capacity to do that. So it's one of those things where, it, you know, there's so much systemic failure that, that and whenever you, we've, I've just returned from the World Urban Forum in, in, in Poland, which is a conference around urban development and housing. And what they talk about there all the time is, you know, we need to change policy. We need to do this. We need to do that. But nothing changes. In 20 years, nothing changes. Governments don't change. You know, we know that. So the thing around this is how do we empower people to create the change that they seek? And that's about creating a flow of capital that supports them in the what they're doing. Yep. Exactly. Supports I, I, them in what they're doing from the bottom up. Yeah. And, and that's the exciting part. And to that point, Glenn, I mean, I think something that would have launched since you last came on the call is we've actually partnered with uh, EBU, which is the European Business University, to launch the Affordable Housing Academy because Glenn, you know, touched on it. I don't uh, kind of to talk to the point. Capital is critical, right? Without the capital, nothing's going to build. But when you only have a handful of housing developers who understand affordable housing, who understand the challenges that go into it, to understand how to cost and build out a project, if you don't have that, then you can have as much money as you want, but who's going to, who's going to do the work on the ground? Yeah. I mean, to iterate, empower only finances, we don't build on the ground. So really looking at this problem holistically, we realize, well, actually, we need to help educate affordable housing developers. It's the affordable, we, part, we found partners We've launched the Affordable Housing Academy. We're financing, the, uh, I think it's over 30 students going through that from all over the continent, getting them upskilled, helping to get together a business plan and evaluate you know, um, what it is they're going to be doing on the ground and then picking you know, from that pool who are the most likely to be successful and supplying them with the funding. So these are not people who, who are straight out of school. They are developers, they have backgrounds, they've worked in real estate, et cetera, but maybe the nuances of affordable housing, that's where they can be upskilled. So we're taking people with a track record. We're upskilling them in line with the challenges that need to be solved. We're raising the capital and hopefully deploying that very you know, potent combination on the ground. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe just talking a bit about the holistic view that we're trying to- Right, trying to because the, the issue that, you, yeah, when you probably, you know, entered with this beautiful plan that you guys came up with. It's like, wait, where'd all the developers go? Well, they weren't incentivized <laughs> to stay there. So you, you need to figure out all the different, you know, components of growing this seed of a project. So the soil, the water. So I like that you're, you're actually tackling that yourselves too. That's so interesting. Um, well, yeah. I mean, when you, just when you talk about affordable housing and approaching it in a different way, you know, prior to our partnership, well, prior to Casuel, who is an affordable housing developer that we've partnered with in Mozambique, you know, and there they, you know, they were an existing, existing developer before we came along, so not somebody who came to the academy, but prior to them applying themselves to this problem, 
an affordable house in Mozambique cost $55,000. That was an affordable house. Through their approach, so they're using like golden techniques, et cetera, they've got that down to $10,000. So now you're making a truly affordable product that is funded in an affordable way. And that's the difference between a, a person who's focused and understands affordable housing, building affordable housing, versus somebody who's built housing trying to build a house that they think is affordable. Oh, and with all, no, I agree. And with all the new materials that people are using this day too, it's like, um to to know about the you know some of these environmentally more friendly materials are actually way cheaper way more efficient so like to have your pulse on that is pretty important too so i could see the uh kind of the value of um i guess building your own funnel of developers too and giving them obviously they're getting something huge out of this especially if they're scholarshiped and in going to school and learning these skills so if they're previous developers too, and you're just giving them the extra tools, that makes a lot of sense. So really interesting stuff. Now, Greg, what is your role and what is Glenn's role one more time? Just because sure. you know, maybe you guys have multiple. <laughs> yeah, I think with as with anything early stage, we wear multiple hats. Uh, yeah. I tend to cover anything operational, partnerships, marketing, you know, a bit of a catch-all so um yeah i'm really i'm really i suppose i'm focused on making sure not on the ground delivery because we have somebody focused on that but we deliver as a as a project and also that we're speaking to the right kinds of partners to enable collaborations and i think we'll almost definitely touch on this later in today's call but for example the partnership with world mobile you know that's um you know that's something that it's a big it's deal. Squarely with me and my team. Um, Glenn, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I watch Greg work. It's fantastic. <laughs> he does a fantastic job, and I sit back and take the cue dots. <laughs> oh, man. I think, Glenn, you got, yeah, you have the dream job. No, I, I, we're all joking because I think Glenn, you know, he's, uh, he, he's the guy that I first heard about Empower from in that room in Catalyst. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. I remember asking questions way back when. So, yeah, absolutely. I know that so, you just work hard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm the co co-founder and, and and effectively I suppose on the title as as Greg says we you know we do everything but it kind of it's really my my job is to is is effectively CEO I suppose is to to drive um, the entire ecosystem to make sure that each element is being addressed. So Phil, uh, the co-founder, is the CTO. He's he's an Australian. Um, and we met, we met through Kadana. We met on the Kadana forum and, and that's how we met. So we're a, you know, we're a Kadana um, COVID <laughs> love story. Love child. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd say love story rather than love uh, child. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> I, I call it, yeah, one of the first groups really is what you'll be known by in future years too. It's, it's amazing the collaborations that have manifested from Cardano and just hanging out in the community, speaking to each other. Some of these teams that have come from that, it's insane. Yeah, so, it, yeah. is, it is amazing. And so, so we've now got, a, you know, exactly that, a you know, virtual team scattered all over the world of amazing people who are really passionate about, about this project and what, what's, what we're doing. Um, so that's my role. But, but part of really what one of the areas I'm focused on is, is the long-term aspect as well. 
because we always said we know that there are you know, three, three areas. If, if you look at our white paper, you know, in terms of the NFT collection, if you like, which is the source of, source of capital, because this is only going to work if we really drive it at scale. And that means we've got to really make it attractive for investment on an ongoing basis. So, so yeah. you know, yeah. while the impact is, is, is you know, really, you I mean, it's everything. Add potatoes. You got to have exactly. Ex sizzle. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got to be able to drive that from an investment perspective um, because it's really going to be the institutional capital at the end of the day that is going to really take this and, and notch it up a complete level. You think so? so yeah. That makes we're sense. Laying, so a lot of what I'm doing is laying the foundations right now for that work. So, so it's really putting that in place so that as we go down the line, because there's a lot of institutional skepticism Right. There, we are trying, what we're doing is innovative, it's different, and it's utilizing the technology in ways that haven't necessarily been done before. It's so it's, 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 it's very, you know. it's very innovative. <laughs> it's very new. So I could see how that is. And if you see that as like the main source of really taking this thing to the next level as institutional capital, I could definitely see how a lot of like it would be wise to spend that time to figure out what they need to see slash implement those changes. It, it, exactly. And it, that doesn't differ. I mean, obviously, the the um, our, our current investors, you know, the, the, the collectors of you know, NFT type collectors. Right. They still have an information. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's still the information. It's still what they want to see. Yeah. But we know, as you say, there'll be more information. There'll be more, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be it, gonna it's more that's required. So, you know, if we, we start there, get that understanding, and then we can uh, build that into the platform as we go, then we at least, we, again, we're laying the correct foundations. So there's a lot of work going into that, a lot of laying the foundations. Effectively, kind of what we did, in, what we did with Catalyst. Because with Catalyst, we were trying to show crypto community that we could deliver on the ground with partners, through partners, we could deliver on the ground because the crypto community goes like, how are you going to build a house in Africa? We go, yeah. we're not, we're going to use someone to say, well, who do you know? How are you going to, you know, how can you trust? Ooh, so there's a lot of mistrust there. And yeah. then on the ground, you go to a housing developer and say, listen, we're going to fund this through crypto. They go, oh, listen, those moon boys, you know, they're just, they're just super profits. They're drug dealers and money launderers. So we don't want to speak to them when well, we don't speak. So how do we, and we were building that trust on either side and we're doing a similar process now in institutionalism. This is what we're doing. Watch what we're doing, observe what we're doing, see what we're doing and, you know, tear it to pieces, shoot it down, tell us what we're doing wrong, tell us what you need in order to make sure that we can make this work. And, and it's that kind of, so we're starting that process now. But um, I mean, it, yeah. sorry, God. sorry it's, it's interesting what Glenn says about using technology and earning trust, you know, I, I think, we went, we built some houses for the Catalyst proposal. We took that back to the crypto community. We said, look, your ADA did that. And then, you know, building trust in, in Africa across the continent, Glenn and I, who both worked in the continent, you know, a lot of people come with a lot of big promises. And often those people come from developed markets, promising tons of aid. And then once yeah, right. they've got yeah. their promotion and moved to another country, uh, that aid dries up. So there's always a healthy skepticism in, in Africa. And, like in many places in the world, money talks. And our building partner on the ground, Richard from Casuel, you know, yeah, he had his healthy skepticism um, until we were helping with kind of an early stage in the project. 
and uh, NGO where they had raised some money from, sent some capital across, similar amount of what we needed to send across. And that those finances had been held up in the Reserve Bank of Mozambique for six months. So the money had been sent, but it was coming next week. It was coming next week. It needed to be processed. A form needed to be signed. You know, all the usual runaround. Um, we sent a, a similar amount of money through the blockchain, offloaded it in Mozambique. And three days later, Richard had the capital in his bank account. And I think that's when it really clicked for him. And we have some really nice audio clips for his phone call where he goes, I, I, I get DeFi, I get crypto, I get Web3, I get decentralization. It makes, it makes sense now, right? Um, it's, it's, there's a real use case. And you know, his conversation to us has always been, if all you did, if all Empower did was just move money in an efficient way, Empower would have a great business. You know, I we, think we, that's like at the core, like the thing is, is capital accessibility, man. It, yeah. And it, it's like the, um, it's not the core itself. To me, the core is that and the holistic view you guys have that I'm now understanding just even, even in this phone call, just like sure. listening, I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this is probably the best way to solve it because it's not like these other infrastructural problems that have led to this great disaster of 30% interest rates are going to solve themselves. And they've already disincentivized enough people that are part of that chain to make this thing work. Um, I do want to just say, I think that this has been a great conversation. And as we shift to World Mobile Token and some other partnerships, uh, and some other announcements. I just wanted to say this is this is I think is really good because there's um there's quite a few concepts just by understanding Empower that I think helps financial education. And I'm really big on that because I don't know like if you guys have experienced this, but there's a lot of people even in Cardano that just haven't had a ton of exposure to financial education and you know, they, 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 I think they really, you know, appreciate it. And maybe they came in for the art or, or some other aspects of this industry, but it all is important to kind of, in my view, at least to understand all these different benefits and kind of moving pieces. So the financial education in this beginning half has just been awesome. I, I think that, um, I think people will really find value from it. But uh, yeah. absolutely, and just you know, just to that point, just one thing I, I always want to highlight. You know, I've highlighted the, the backlog of fifty million homes, but often one of the questions is like, well, aren't you scared of the banks? You know, you're, you're competing, you're going up against the banks, and the, and we go, no, we're not, no, we're not. It's completely we're going into markets that are completely unfished. The banks you know, take that risk from, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> well, the banks can't take that risk apparently, right? Because they're charging thirty percent interest rates. So it's like you're just getting accessibility of that capital from other places, and that that risk. It's kind of fun when we look into that and the native currency of these places and like what how you guys are are thinking about inflation. But to move away from that for a minute, I just wanted to really touch on World Mobile Token, if that's yeah. okay. Sure. Absolutely. So seems like I'll a huge deal. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll talk about to, to what, how that journey, how we went on that journey. So, you know, kind of early on in our project's life cycle, we realized that there were a lot of projects who were approaching challenges in the same way that we were. For-profit businesses that were trying to make a social impact, trying to offer 
earn with impact products, a way to, you know, get rewarded, but at the same time change, you know, people's lives fundamentally. And so we realized that as more of those projects were successful, you know, not to be too altruistic about it, but rise in tides, lifts, or ships. Mm-hmm. And so we we, along with some other projects, spearheaded blockchain for good, which was an idea to have a, a blockchain agnostic collective of projects who were all trying to solve real world problems. World Mobile was one of the early partners on that. And as we got to have more productive conversations and understand their product more and their vision and their roadmap and their plans, they got to understand us, you know, it started to become a bit of a no brainer. I mean, you know, even BMWs in the community were kind of like doing the when empower world mobile, um, you know, collab. And so, you know, one of the things that in, World Mobile is really focused on doing is providing affordable decentralized internet for Glenn can attest this whenever we have a call with the team in Beira, we need them to have better internet like um, and more reliable and more cost effective. So there's clearly a need and we articulated that to the World Mobile team. What was, like, the, was the screen turning off in like an interview? Was it just like no reception? Was it just- I mean, everything, yeah. everything, everything and more. Um, and and internet is turning into an essential, like this yeah. is how you compete in the yeah. world. This is Absolutely. how you compete is you got to get on Wi-Fi and, and talk to, you know, Glenn and Greg and, and Absolutely. Or, or like something else. But that's how you a- access information and compete to your point. I mean, just as, as simple as if, you know, Richard does want to access have these kinds of conversations with people in developing markets, developed markets, and his internet is constantly cutting out, as an example, you know, it immediately just creates a barrier, you know, it, and that's true. Like, of, it's know. like almost a, it's like real estate and internet are now, you know, they're on that, you know, Maslow's yeah. pyramid. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like basic needs at this point. Um, well, you, you've seen the meme where Wi-Fi is put at the bottom and, and I can, you know, <laughs> anyone who's had poor internet will, will attest that they sometimes feel like it is the real bottom of the pyramid. So, you know, we said to them, look, we're doing this development in Mozambique and um, there's a whole bunch of um, potential customers for you there. Uh, it's underserviced. Come have a look. They came to have a look at Beira and they were, well, this is prime market for them. It's very concentrated as an area. It's got poor connectivity. It's actually a good thoroughfare for many other African countries. There's a lot of traffic going, going through, through there, actually on the ground traffic, which makes connectivity important. And so they said, well, yeah, how about we enter into a partnership where we use your houses as the on-the-ground infrastructure on which we can build our air nodes and have your developers step in and helping us to maintain that infrastructure and, and all the journey around their projects. We said, well, yeah, I mean, let's let's uh, finance uh, these houses in Barrow, Mozambique, and let's launch, um, maybe we're, maybe this is ambitious to say, but the first real fi NFT, which is enabling affordable housing and affordable internet connectivity in Mozambique. And um, they were like, yeah, let's do it. And so that's how this first uh, NFT impact card came about. Uh, I think what's what's really innovative about this NFT um, is it has all the things that you would usually get in an NFT. Biased, I know, but we think the artwork's pretty cool. It's a tesseract that goes into a seed um, it's well worth seeing. It. We have videos of it, um, but also there's a whole story behind it. You know, it's enabling 
the Kadana story of real world impact on the ground in Africa. Everything that Charles has spoken about in every one of his AMAs, he sees this as a real world implication of that. And it's the first, right? You have, I suppose, the bragging rights of being able to say, hey, I helped to fund, you know, decentralized internet and affordable housing in Mozambique and was you know, the first project to that. I mean, we're going to go back and see which was the first NFT minted. This, well, there'll be 3,000 in total. But I mean, imagine you were the person who got number one of, of the series. Yeah, that, that's some, some, pretty cool, some pretty cool bragging rights. So all of that is the usual NFT stuff. It's the artwork. It's the, it's the rarity. It's the, clear, it's the bragging rights. It's all of that. And then attached to that, you know, we're saying, well, how can we reward those who've helped to enable this? And that's where the, um, the predicted EMP returns uh, or rewards, the impact rewards that, we, that are associated with them come in. So, you know, we think as an NFT, it's a pretty interesting, cool and collectible uh, piece of Cardano history. But then you've got the rewards return potential associated with it. And we think that that's quite an interesting combination. It's, we'll have some collectors who want just for the potential of EMP, which you know, is paid out over the, over the 10 year period. And we have some people who will purchase it just for the artwork, the bragging rights, et cetera. And we'll have some people who collect it because you're getting both. And that's pretty cool, double threat. So like, what was really interesting about this too. So. Okay, so there's the NFT side of it, but what I think is, and that's that's cool. I'm glad that you highlighted all those different aspects. And yes, that'll be fun to take a look at some of the visuals. I'll definitely lay them over at some point in this clip, but there's um, this interesting thing that's happening here, in my opinion, and it's really big. It's, it's you guys uh, working in this one market, a world mobile token, working in several markets, and basically using your combined knowledge though you're not part of the same project to kind of integrate both of your values into a certain part of the market that maybe world mobile token isn't really as familiar with as you guys or vice versa in future collaborations and i think that's a pretty big deal because that's kind of like this interesting little thing happening here on cardano and I mean, both of these companies are dealing with people's needs, right? We classified Wi-Fi as a need. So I guess that's a need. Yeah. Real estate's it a is. need, obviously. Shelter's a need. So they're, they're very scalable projects. So you almost could look at this, like the story that, you know, before we get my head is like, is this the beginning of like these real five superpowers that will just like kind of meet up and like help each other out and support each other building, starting? on Cardano? Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think that that's part of what drew us together in, in blockchain because it was this realization that, you know, uh, you know, there's like this African proverb, which is, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And, that's you know, good. we may, you know, in, all, in, all, in reality, we, we probably could have got our NFT out sooner if we had just done it ourselves. But would we have made as much of an impact? No, we would have had just housing and not connectivity. So yeah, it took us a couple of extra months, as you can imagine, collaborating with another big project like World Mobile, but we're going further, right? And you know, of course, 
we can only, you know, we are still very early on, we're only 48 hours into the NFT release and it's all in phases and the world mobile community are going to have their own exclusive access. But you can see how, uh, assuming that this goes well, why future projects, if we have earmarked in Kenya and Uganda and South Africa, why, you know, there can't be similar partnerships. If you're familiar with different markets too, right? I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe Glenn, I don't know if you have anything to add on this, but I think this is a major deal. Like this is like a pretty big, pretty big, uh, you know, just looking at, okay, if this, if this, if this continues, if these two projects continue to share knowledge, work together and, and it works and it, and it creates these benefits, then that could turn into something pretty, pretty large, pretty quick. I mean, maybe not quick, but like it could go pretty far. It could because go it's re- because far. it's real world, it will be slower than the crypto space. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. So because it's real world, there's physical infrastructure, there's physical challenges yeah. on the ground, etc. You know, real estate doesn't move quickly. But yeah. what you what you say is is so fundamentally true. This is this is life changing. And and just to, I, I, I always give you this crazy figure, just in terms of what we've done now with this NFT cell, just it's ridiculous on numbers, okay? It doesn't make any sense, but we, we're funding 30 homes as a starting point, a minimum of 30 homes. That's a 5% increase in the home loan industry. Yeah, because there's six, now, it's because there's, 600. there's like exactly. 600 mortgages a year, so like 30 exactly. homes. It's not a year. It's not a year. There's six hundred in total. Six hundred in total. Total, not a year. Okay. Okay. So, so just for just for the audience, like these guys have just increased the amount of like, well, you know, we'll see. But if everything gets built, you just increased the the market basically by thirty percent, essentially. It has been built. They have been built. Yeah. So the thirty homes already been been built. built have been built. So we had to give a commitment. Again, Greg was talking about lack of trust. So we had to give the, we had to give the assurances that it would happen. And so for that, we, we got assurances that we could deliver. So we, we, we un- effectively, we got an underwriter, we got supported to underwrite the, the, the NFT sale. So we had, a, we had a, a corporate who underwrote the sale. So now the sale, you know, it said that we could guarantee to Casa Real that we would deliver the funding. So based on that, they built the houses and therefore the people have already started applying and starting to move in. So they're actually already moving and starting to move into those houses as we speak. So you've increased the amount of houses by 5% because you've taken... Amount of home loans. Home loans so we provided 30, 30, 30 houses, 30 homes, so we provided, so, but 30 home loans out of 600. So that's the 5%. And I mean, it's ridiculous numbers and, you know, in terms of quantum, but if in terms of scale, what we're talking about, that's why I'm trying to highlight it because it's a 5% growth in the home loan market in a country. Like that, like that. You guys haven't been around like a super. super We haven't haven't been around a year yet. We haven't been around a year yet. So the point is, is what can we achieve in the longer term? So to, to your point around the potential of what's happening, that's really why I'm highlighting that. If we can yeah. achieve that in 12 months, the scale of what we can achieve is, is, is actually, it's actually really, really exciting. I think, I think the thing to really get your head around is there are people living in homes in Mozambique, of course, 
Yeah, and we're not servicing the homeless, we're serving the underserved, low, middle-income consumer. But how have they had homes in the past? They've either saved up to buy that house in cash. So just these 30 home loans, we have reduced the average age of the homeowner by 20 years. So typically, you're looking at 40, 50 years old in order to be able to have saved up enough to be able to afford the house. Well, now, obviously, because you, as we're all accustomed to, living in the asset as you, as you paid off, you know, we've reduced the age. You know, many people who then do get access to some land have to go ahead and build these homes themselves. That's the most affordable way to do it, but they're using inferior materials and they're not builders. So of course they don't, you know, if, if I had to build my own house, it wouldn't, it wouldn't survive the night. Now, Mozambique is very climate affected, which means that almost annually there are cyclones that, that, uh, that devastate the country. And if you've built a house yourself with improper building materials and improper building techniques, you can imagine what happens when a cyclone pulls Flooding, leaky roof. It destroys the house. So not only do you lose your home, you also lose everything that you have within your home because it's waterlogged and damaged, et cetera. So by being able to build an affordable home with proper building techniques, you not only allow somebody younger to get move into that home, but you also allow them to have something that is actually safe for them to inhabit. And again, we're not, we're talking here about teachers, we're talking here about nurses, we're talking about policemen, you know, who previously have only had access you know, to the options I just mentioned, save up, try qualify for a, a ridiculous home loan, and you're not going to because they are 600 and and and, and if I may too, the biggest thing as well that um, I think about is the reason it's so hard to save up is because most of these people are maybe renting. And if they're <laughs> renting, then they're yeah. and it's not exactly. a lease, it's not a lease to own. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's like the secret killer punch. What I hear about this project that I'm like, this is why they're able to give these loans and, and feel safe about it to these developers because a lease to own gives the developer the ability to still you know own the property, but there's such high demand, and you can make it affordable. Where these people that are basically running the you know whether they're teachers, policemen, the people that are actually running the. Uh, you know, the, the place, right? The, uh, it's kind of like they're in a stable enough position where they can start paying rent without having to, you know, lose any equity or potential savings that they could then buy a home with. They're paying their rent and gaining equity every single paycheck that they pay their rent yeah. for a 10 year yeah. period. I mean, it's really, a, it's really, um, it's amazing. And, and again, Sorry, Greg, I just want to chat to you that you talk about the scale, you talked about the excitement. When Kassel Real, when it when no, it came, when it when it came to when it came to when it came to marketing, when it became real for him, he said, I can't market this. He said, I cannot market this, we will be flooded. So I'm just going to put out the word. And that's what he did, was he just put out the word. And by the, you know, there was some initial, right, is this true? And then once it started getting out that it was true, okay, literally within weeks, he's had to shut it already to shut the pipeline. So he's closed off the pipeline at 50 applications. For tenants, to go, just to of, clarify. Oh, yeah, yeah, of potential tenants. Yeah. Okay. So there's no marketing campaign. It's not like we've got to get out there no. and put up billboards and whatever else. Oh, it's no. just put it out there and it's just wah, wah, yeah. because yeah, yeah. there's trust and there's a product that's affordable and just all the realities that you're talking about 
that's the level of pent-up demand. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, even, even in a developed country, you say lease to own, I mean, people will be bidding on their rent. Like, hey, I'll, I'll go 100 higher. I'll go 200 higher. Yeah. So it's like, it's in a place that has real demand, has a real need for this. Um, it's not about that, right? And I feel like there's probably a lot of incredible options for tenants and not everyone's going to be able to, you know, get, get in, you know, get a, get a property and be able to lease to own. Um, at least not yet until you guys scale, but yeah, there's probably, there's, since there's that demand, you know, there's probably a ton of hardworking citizens and they're, they, they just want to, they just want to live their life. They want to do what they do and, and have some shelter. Maybe they have kids, family. Yeah. So. Well, I think Glenn has maybe forgotten that there was a small amount of marketing done. So Richard, um, Richard's daughter, who's seven years old, she went to school to do a show and tell about what her dad does. And as best as a seven-year-old could explain the lease to own model, explained it to a teacher. That's Mark, by the way, the kids. And then her teacher, who I suppose had to believe what the daughter had said, came down to Richard's office and said, well, she would like to sign up and then brought um, a fellow teacher. And I think uh, there's now a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of buzz within, within Richard's daughter's school with all the teachers who now want lease to buy homes and, uh, you know, this conversations happening with that's, the school around how they collect, yeah, how yeah. they collect the, the payments direct or salaries and stuff. And you know, that's uh, that is the level. And, and people often say, you know, there's always the trust element. How will we know that people will pay back their their um, their monthly payment? And the reality is, you are spoiled for choice in choosing a tenant. It is such an opportunity for that tenant to own the asset that the cost the cost of you know, not making a payment is so much higher. It is not like I'll just move to another place that is as good. And, and, and then if you start to include things like digital identities that are on the blockchain and being able to keep track of that and oh building up a track record, which is obviously another part of the project. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's so many innovations that the blockchain can actually do for real estate. And when you talk about, you know, the... Uh, like the you know big fi right big finance that can leverage their capital and that's going to be what really changes the game we talked about that earlier it's funny where where we see like the the tenant situation in certain places in the u.s there's there's this fear factor for investors that oh well you know i've you know i've done i've done tenants but i've had some bad tenants i've had some good tenants but but the difference i think is where we're talking about in Mozambique is this sort of um, true demand that is truly, it's, it's not a luxury, it's a need. Cause you have a ton of citizens that are working very hard and there is not enough affordable housing. And there's all these tenants that are employed can pay their rent, right? And it's, it's changing the communities because you're adding these well-built properties into the community, which is better long-term. They're not going to get ripped out by a tornado. And there's just, there's just a lot. Is there any, like, is there any challenges that are, that are kind of in your way? Because there's just, you guys, you guys always yeah. can't be too excited. And I just want to kind of real, I want to see like, is the challenge getting traditional, you know, finance players? Is that kind of like, maybe it's not really a challenge though. It sounds like you guys have a path. So I'm just curious, is there any challenges that are like kind of unclear how you're going to navigate yet? Or is it kind of, um, yeah, like what's the lay of the land? 
I think there are a lot of challenges and, and the, you know, a lot of the stuff. So, so really the thing around it is, is because it's real fire, there's lots of learnings to do on the ground. So just to give you, you know, just to give you a, 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 what is the legal agreement between us and the developer look like? What does that look like? What is the legal agreement between the developer and the lease to own client look like in a way that we're comfortable that what they're providing is passed on? Okay, from a legal perspective. So how do we make sure, because people ask the question, you know, in terms of how do we ensure that that flow, you know, we can monitor it on the blockchain, but what's the backup? What's the off-chain yeah. stuff? What's yeah. the off-chain stuff? Is there so, an underwriting process with the developer? Is there, a, there's a vetting process, but- Yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah absolutely, like, exactly. So it's, you know, it's all of those pieces to put in place. It's how, do, what's the tech look like that sits in the front end whereby we monitor those payments, et cetera, et cetera. So you want, you, all, you want like it all to go on chain. You think that's the best direction for this? So, so for the financial information particularly. Yeah. You know, the rest of the information is going to be localized, we're expecting. But that, again, is part of what we need to test. How much do you put on chain? How much do we put off chain? You know, these are things that we've got to start testing, that we've got to start going through and through iterations. How do we, you know, how do we get those flows back? What the country, yet what happens if there's fear that we need, you know? So, so there's lots of practical realities on the ground that we have to address. There's lots of, um, you know, processes that we've got to look at. And that's why we're trying to learn by doing. That's yeah. what's, why it's so important that, you know, these, this NFT we've launched together with World Mobile, you know, get affordable internet, affordable housing, that's great. But how do the flows look? Well, we're not sure yet. You know, let's 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 bed that this down. Is, what can what that, can we offer? This what can we like, offer the NFT? Sorry. No, no, I was just about to say, like, I I I think that it's good that you guys are being transparent about that because number one, I think it's the best strategy for, for what you guys are doing. I try to do you gotta just try things and see how they work and evolve from those things because you're exploring brand new territory. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the challenges for for example is. What, what do you what do you give back? What do you say we can give back? So you know yeah, how, how, how do you how, say it right? It, like, exactly, exactly. How do you say it? How do you how do you determine what that is? Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So exactly, we we're not a security. We're not a security. We can't we can't guarantee any feedback. You know any returns. Right. But obviously, our objective is to maximize impact, maximize reward, in yeah. a way that that makes it attractive. But how do you communicate that effectively? That's part of the process that just by learning, by doing, we're learning sort of some of the, you know, some of immediately some of the comments from the community, the feedback. That's what we're doing is, you know, putting it out there saying, thanks for that, you know, great feedback. We can do better on the next one so that we can communicate that better and put these strips in place. So, so it's really, so there are lots of challenges, yeah. lots of challenges, lots of opportunity, but, but it's learned by doing. That's what we've got to do yeah. and the way we've got to do it. Yeah, they got I mean, a class for that, man. Like how to how to sell things in Web three because there's so much vaguety. And honestly, <laughs> it comes down to having some trust for like the, if I'm part of the community. Like some of it is kind of like, okay, this is their vision. How can I like I, I, how can I perceive this? It's not a promise. This is where they're trying to get to. So if I'm supporting them, I know that there's no guarantees. They might even pivot a different direction that I don't expect. But this is kind of where they're going and. And that's like what you kind of buy into, but go ahead, yeah. um, Greg, too, because I know yeah. you have a different point. 
I mean, I'll just touch that and then I'll add my point. But, you know, it's when you, when you support any early stage business, you know, we hear it time and time again, VCs, they go after the founders, they buy into the vision. You know, no, anyone who's been in and around even traditional startup space understands that, you know, no one can have thought through every single challenge. If you sit there thinking through every single challenge to, yeah, its, to its conclusion, you will A, never start. And B, have got it wrong. Because, uh, and I mean, I can give you one example of this. You know, we, as part of our Catalyst houses, built two kinds of homes. We built a stone brick home and we built a wood home that was made out of, uh, you know, carbon neutral wood that was made to be more eco-friendly. And we did that to test the market's response. Now, I'll be honest that if I look at the two homes, I would rather stay in the wood home. It's more visually appealing to me. Uh, it's you know it's what I would associate with going into on safari um, when I used to go back in South Africa it has that feel to it but for our customer on the ground they look at this wood home and they say I've saved up I'm purchasing a product you know I'm purchasing a home I don't trust a wood home I don't trust will be as stable I don't trust will last as long these are untrue but you know this is perception therefore I am not in the market for a wood home I'm in a market for a stone home for a brick home and that's, that's a learning, that's a learning on the ground. Now, if we had gone and built 2,000 wood homes because they were more environmentally friendly and we thought they looked visually very nice. And they are durable too, right? They're durable, they're treated. I mean, they, they have all the usual qualities that, that, the, that the brick home has. They're just made out of wood. Same thing, you know, we, we build a lot of sustainable uh, infrastructure into our developments, whether that be water treatment plants or solar panels on the roof. And again, you know, you go to the person who you're trying to sell the home to and you say, this is a solar panel and it's going to make the house more green. That doesn't resonate with them. They're not concerned at their, given their, where they are in the challenges on day to day in their life about environmental impact. They don't care about all the bells and whistles. They're just trying to- Yeah, we made that problem build in, in, in developed markets, all the concrete homes. Now they must, you know, they must have a solar panel to, to rectify it. They don't think they're like that. But if you say, look, the solar panel is going to give you more reliable electricity, it's going to yes. reduce your utility bill, it's, well, it's going to save you money, there's certain, sign me up. There's certain like things about, I know hempcrete, I've studied a yeah. little bit about that. And what that is doing is it's amazing for the, yeah. you know, because it's super durable. It's saving, it's saving a ton of energy and it's actually yeah. much more affordable long-term because you have yeah. that insulation and heat and AC just get insulated better. You're not losing yeah. these different um, energies. It's it's really interesting. So I'm, yeah. you know, it's it's more affordable. Is there going to be a time where you decide, well, you know what? Maybe the homes that we're making are just that much more better for the community in long term. Can we educate the market a little bit about why we're pushing these things? Are you going to turn to that a little bit, or do you think you're just going to, hey, these are the options. Leave it to the to I guess the developers and then the the market to decide. First of all, I want to give you an exclusive. If you're into hempcrete, we're now we're now we're now <laughs> we're now experimenting. We're That's now experimenting hard. in the yes. market. I, I think yeah. we talked about it last time because I talked with a developer who was using it, right? And he was explaining to me all these different and I'm like okay man like this is kind of interesting and then he told me it's only used in Europe and now it's coming to the U.S. and other places other markets it's really uh, interesting now, stuff now what's really interesting is, is in Mozambique okay 
weed grows like weed. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so hemp yeah. grows like weed. So it literally, yeah. it is so okay. fast growing. It's so whatever. So it makes complete sense as a product, yeah. which is one of the reasons why we're testing it. So it, 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 but it's looking at that. So it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting, um, you know, technology, but it has to meet the market need. Exactly. And so what we did with the, so our whole objective is to, again, we've been talking about it. It's about setting objectives and working towards those objectives and understanding that we may not meet them immediately, but we're still all working towards yeah. them. So the two brick homes that we built were already moving they, they in, in terms of we've done according to the edge building standard from the IFC, from the International Finance Corporation, they have a, a standard by which you can measure environmental improvement. So we want to lay in the foundations for investors so that we can tick boxes. So environmental box, there's some validation of that. It's not just take our word for it. Okay, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. take that, put it onto the chain, it's verified. Etc. So these things are, are, you know, laying what we're talking about, laying foundations. But the buildings already between twenty and forty percent improvement environmentally, even though they're built with traditional materials, more traditional materials, and with market acceptance. So these are completely accepted by the market, but they're already an environmental improvement. So we can't jump to hundred percent improvement yet, but we can get to forty percent, and the market still wants it. And so it's about practical reality. And again, just what you're saying, these are the challenges on the ground. These are the kinds of things we work with, tested. Work so much. Oh my gosh. I think about projects like you guys, and I think about some of the, you know, just the men and women I've talked to who are, you know, in the carbon credit industry, looking at blockchain, you know, thinking about discussing things with Vera or Golden and trying to get the procedures in play. There's so much like infrastructural kind of work going on to connect the blockchain, these real things happening in real life that the blockchain kind of solves with carbon credits in some ways. Like there's some kind of fishiness that happens with carbon credits. I'm sure you guys are aware. And there's like a problem there. And, and I think the transparency, the blockchain could be leveraged or a lot of people believe that too. It's not like a new thing, but that's kind of, and then, yeah, the access to capital where you guys are coming from. There's just this, this mat, there, there's so much work being done by projects like you guys. I, I got to just give you credit because I know that it probably takes a lot to identify these processes and figure and think ahead too on like what needs to be built infrastructurally. And my hat Wait. off to all the teams, man, that are, that are taking the, uh, you know, the, the raids in their own hands and doing the work. Thanks guys. And I mean, I, I think that's, you know, maybe the last thing on challenges that I'd like to add is, you know, our vision is to become a decentralized platform. You know, that is really what, where blockchain shines. But we realize that along that journey of getting there, there's a lot of things that need to be tested and a lot of, you know, uh, challenges that need to be overcome. And so that is a lot of why we kind of try to isolate certain things. We've chosen a part, a bona partner on the ground that we can trust, that we know will deliver, that has a track record, et cetera. Let's keep that, I mean, as anyone who's even done, you know, high school science knows, you know, you need to keep something constant to test other oh, variables. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't want, we don't want, and listen, my science doesn't go much beyond high school, but uh, so That's don't take I always say, right? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, being able to hold that constant and then test other things. How, you know, one of the big challenges we had was how do we offload crypto 
in Mozambique, where there are no exchanges and not the much exchange support. Off ramps, yeah. On ramps and off ramps. And so we can start to test these things. And then once we kind of understand a lot of these challenges, we can mix it up with another partner in another market to we trust. And, and then we can kind of have a blueprint of this is what success looks like. This is what it looks like to bring on a good creative partner that can add value to the NFT. This is how it should be modeled. This is the kinds of developments that you need. These are the kinds of partners. And then really, I hope I'll have a job like Len where I can just sit back and, well, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> and mean, relax well, listen, and have it decentralized. Yeah, you're being humble here because what you guys are doing is so important. It's the only way it gets done is like, like just identifying these little pockets, building out, identifying what infrastructures need to be built, you know, tackling them one at a time. And I think that's truly how blockchain and real fi and all of these beautiful innovations and all of these old world systems are going to start to bridge is like yeah. teams like you guys just like taking one lego you know putting one mm -hmm. brick on the time and then soon enough there's going to be this ginormous lego village that's <laughs> called earth and 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 all these things will be interconnected it's it's yeah. the only way I think it does get done because the government, like governments aren't going to do this for us. Like we, we, we kind of can't like, they, they're really busy with their own stuff. Most <laughs> of them are right. So yeah. like, and it's not like they're really like trying to stop us either. It's like, we have this weird time where teams like you can identify these problems, work with even officials at times, right. Or official organizations like, you know, verified, it depends on what we're talking about, but uh, I know for carbon credits, Vera, Golden, those are two examples. And like also connecting with the people, identifying the problems one step at a time. I think that's the only way it really does move forward. So just more props because yeah. there's um, whenever you can find a team like that, you kind of just want to support them, like regardless of the investment. And then if there's like an investable thing about it, obviously that means more support for you guys too, right? So yeah. I mean, there's just... Um, there's just it's really it's a really cool thing yeah Thank and, and thanks yeah thanks for that much appreciated you know and one of the even the thing one of the things that we're doing you know if you look at our tokenomics it's different even though you know it's not standard because we're taking you know 60 percent of our tokens will be utilized for housing on the ground and that value is locked in the housing now most people don't get that. So every housing project that we're doing, we're increasing the value within the ecosystem and it's stuck there for 10 years. Now it's tradable at the above level, but from, a, from an infrastructure, from, a, from a, you know, our processes, we're building that value in the ecosystem, not just ours, obviously, but the broader Cardano and now the World Mobile as well. We're building up this ecosystem in, in, you know, in building value into this, and, and keeping it in the system. And that's a really interesting process, which I don't think yet, because it's different. You know, when we put it out there, people- Can I ask you a question to break that down then? Because I'm thinking about that. Does that mean that as these communities start to develop and maybe they are more valuable, that that locked percentage of these tokens also increase in value uh, with the community? Yeah value that's, that it. that's it that's it that's it so there's, more, this, there's like the simple but there's probably some nuances um as well that this can do because i do know that that is a really interesting model it's different it's very yeah. different. 
I mean, I think what's interesting, you know, that housing fund that represents 60% of the total supply of EMP that will be minted, well, has been minted, you know, that sounds like a big number. And we were doing the calculations and just these 30 houses have locked up just over 1% of that, of that fund. So, you know, at 3,000 homes, we've started to lock up 60% of the tokens into smart contracts that will be paid out over the course of 10 years. Now, if you hold our token, I mean, this is obviously not financial advice and definitely not speculation on, on a token price, but the simple economics, again, from a high school class is the supply will be decreased or locked up. The, you know, at that point, the demand is of course, you know, continuing to grow. Um, and, that's part of how, and that's part of how we expect the token to appreciate. Is all of the supply, like you guys have some probably, you know, liquidity pools and, and other things, like is all the supply on the market or is there still inflation no. that's happening? Okay. No, 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 no. no. Um, so, so the tokens that were earned fine, during our, I, token, they were earned during our ISPO and during our token sale had a six month lockup. Those are released in a linear model. So, you can actually go into our website, you can see how much are available at any one time. So people have claimed those and they're out in the market. The housing amount that we spoke about, that sits in a wallet. Actually, all our wallets are, are named. We, we've got handles for those so you can go and check. It's all sitting there and we'll move into the smart contracts once the houses are, are funded. Um, the operational fund that goes towards liquidity, there's some tokenomics around that. We'll obviously go to exchanges and ultimately come back into the project and into the housing fund. There's an allocation for the team, which hasn't been distributed, but has a 36-month lock-in period. Um, I mean, yeah, I can run through all the tokenomics. There's obviously on our, on our website. But in simple terms, you know, it starts to mean, and I think this is, again, what is, what is I suppose, innovative, is that holding EMP or, or holding, supporting the project, you're not tied to any one house in Mozambique. You're not tied to even any one project. You're tied into the ecosystem. Now, admittedly, right now, that ecosystem is 30 houses in Mozambique, of course, but it's, you know, that's with the plans in the pipeline, that's first going to extend beyond Mozambique to some of the other countries we've touched on. And then you are in a position where if there is a default in an individual house in Mozambique, you're not fully exposed to it because that's not your, exactly. you know, it's, it's in the way that a property fund might be structured. You know, if one tenant doesn't pay their rent in a Berlin shopping center, you're not you're, screwed. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, the whole of, uh, I don't know, CBRE or one of the big property funds doesn't go under. Well, you know, you don't, you know, um, you know it's not such a bad like, It's like, uh, you know what the comparison I, I make to that concept then is it's kind of like blockchains, you know, like Cardano, the more stake pools we have, the stronger the network is. So it's like as this project scales and you get different exposure in different areas and you have all these nodes, at least to owns, I guess, it, the, the network of Empower gets actually stronger. Um, it's, it's magical. It's magical. That, 
that's well put. I've never thought of it as yeah. lyrics. I've never yeah. put it that way. That's a great way of actually describing it. Either, man. That's why I love it. Is that trademarked your node description? <laughs> oh, you guys can use it. You guys have given too many good things. I mean, like, I'm not going to think. Listen, that's go for it, man. I, whenever I look at, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to try to take anything, but um, whenever I look at the Apawa logo, I don't know if you guys ever feel this way, but it just it just feels like uh, it could be like a household name. You know what I mean? Like there's certain, you know, there's certain real estate firms like EXP Realty and like, there's just, it seems like it could, it, it's got the name, it's got the branding, it's it's going off to a really good start. So like, I just think that it could be such a big thing if you guys can just continue to kind of like having, not necessarily not make mistakes. I think making mistakes gives you data and you can pivot, but if you can just kind of stay on the course, like with some of these projects I'm looking at, like you guys, and I'm like, man, this could be a really big thing if they could just stay on the course to their mission, and just like continue to learn and, and, and uh, adopt and, and adapt, right? In this journey, it's there's some amazing concepts being developed here and you guys are one of them for people to watch. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, thanks. And, and from, from our perspective, just, you know, you asked earlier about my job. I've got the greatest job in the world, really. I have the greatest job in the world because I have the greatest job in the world. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> because the ability of, of what we're doing, the excitement of what we're doing is is you know it's can't beat it. Can't beat it because when you think you know, about as, it, as, right, like it's like once you if you if 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 you ever have a bad day or like whatever, it's like once you think about what you guys are doing, it's yeah. It's infectious. It's infectious. That's, that's exactly the point. And I always go, you know, I always tell the team that if, if only I could bottle some of the responses from some of the people who've moved into the house or, you know, some of these stories which we could start sharing. When you start doing that, when you start realizing that a seven-year-old can sell a house because it's that, that's how much the pent-up demand is. When you start talking about these are the needs that are being met, in a way that has this kind of exciting economic potential for the people who get involved, you go like, what? That's a dream. And it is, and it has always been a dream, but it's a dream, as you say, that we've taken step by step, trying to make a reality. And, and, and you know, that's the objective. And that's why it's just, it's a fantastic job. It's just great. I just can't believe that we're on a call right now because it's amazing. And, and the thing is, I think about it, is you have to, I think um, if I was in, in, in your shoes or even on the team, I would be thinking like, okay, we got to kind of, you know, stay true to obviously, you know, the altruisticness of what this does, but also stay true to the, to the businessology of this thing. And then the main thing is we just, we just need to make this thing happen one piece at a time. And I think that those three elements, I think that that, that really, there's not too much that I could see going wrong. Uh, it's it's kind of like all those things are in your control, which I love. Whenever I look at a project, are these things in, in their control? Well, these these three are. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal, man. It's pretty uh, big deal. Absolutely. Thanks. And I agree with you because it's that's what we keep saying to the team. It's up to us to screw it yeah. up. <laughs> it's, it's up to us because we have it within our control, as you say. 
or to make it happen too, you know? Exactly, you know, exactly, exactly. exactly. We've got to make it happen or to screw. Please, exactly. like, continue going because this is changing the world. So I don't know if there's anything else, guys. Um, we've had, I think, about an hour and 22 minutes. We definitely want to have you back on because these con- this is my favorite thing. And, and I love talking to people from like just around the world in general, but also other people in this ecosystem building purpose-driven and business like there's this element of business i love there's this element of purpose i love so that's why i think cardano is such a great fit for some of us who like those two things and you guys are a great project for that for example is there anything else yeah. that, um you might want to add to before yeah yeah i, I think I'll, I'll just you know in you know in, in in the interest of sharing a little bit of details of the nft um you know that's obviously now live right now it's just to our uh, core yeah. community who bought an early FC NFT, a founding community NFT, starting Monday the 17th, 18th. Um, you know, the World Mobile Earthnode operators have some exclusive access for four days, but starting the 23rd, it's really open to the general community. Anyone who wants to support our project, you know, they can come in. The uh, NFTs are priced 258 and 50 EMP of our tokens. You'll need to hold both. All the details are on the website. But through that, through that purchase, through that collect, you're collecting an NFT, as you mentioned. We think the artwork's pretty cool, but you're also really enabling the empower, or sorry, the Kadano vision of real-world impact in Africa. You're staking your claim as one of the first people to enable real fire financing of house and decentralized internet on the, on the continent. You know, those are some, some serious bragging rights and something that can sit in your wallet long past the 10 years um, of potential earnings and you know you can say kind of I was there and then of course there's the whole uh, rewards in line with the impact that you've made and so you know I won't go into all those details but those are all on the website there's a well, if I may, if I may question, one thing too on that it's like what I think sometimes we forget or hesitate to say in this space um, and especially maybe uh, someone like myself, who's not part of the team, but it's still important and obviously not financial advice, but like, these are the kind of NFTs that I think about for like, uh, people that are just getting into the, you know, financial realm or financial education and NFTs. It's like, these are the kind that I think your investment, even if it doesn't return you anything, you're going to learn so much because it's a multifaceted NFT where you do have this interest of <laughs> where the funds are going to the developer that's being paid and, and in what token that's being paid. And it just takes people down this kind of journey of like understanding the, you know, what is actually generating that passive income slash what is the story with this art. So I, I think these are the kind of NFTs that are great for people that literally just want to follow a project for the first time. And um, I'm not sponsored to say that, right? It's, it's completely just, I'm just saying that right now, because it is kind of interesting. Like there's a lot of JPEGs out there with no, you know, there's, and they're just a JPEG, but this it's like a multifaceted. So I think people can kind of learn I feel like if I, if this was my first empty, I could kind of like learn, I could, I could learn a lot from just being in discord and all the different aspects too. Yeah. So for whatever yeah. that's worth. And exactly that too, you know, we really are trying to push the boundaries of that JPEG. 
<laughs> so we're really trying to take it yeah. to a whole new level. You know? Well, I'm, a, I'm a, yeah, man. Like I just, I just am big on education because I don't think we'll be as successful as we will be if we educate as many you know people as we can, especially if they're in governance and stuff. So these are the kind of NFTs that can actually start the financial education yeah. path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Austin's a video. It's not even a JPEG. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, but yeah thank you thanks thanks for having us on and like i said yeah. uh, you know it's uh it's it's always exciting to to speak to somebody who shares our excitement but uh, and obviously sees the potential so we, we, yeah, we're excited we're excited to come back and uh report back as we always do on you know the the results of what we've tried to achieve the impact on the ground and Ooh, I am excited to have a non-grainy, high-quality call with Richard in Beira using World Mobile Internet, um, and where he can interview the families who are, you know, in our in our homes. So that's kind of motivating me each day. I can't even imagine like what that will do. I feel like the other thing too is like it's not going to take a lot of time for the 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 i guess relatively the small community of mozambique and then extend that out to uh surrounding territories and even countries to to start to hear the name and brand and power like yeah. i feel like that's already kind of probably happening just yeah. because you guys are really solving this really like big problem and who are the who is empower who is this empower crew coming in here solving this big problem like i feel like you're going to spread pretty quickly and once the content comes out with these stories and people that are actually being their lives are changing yeah man that's really interesting this yeah. uh the branding and marketing of what your mission is could scale pretty quickly which would onboard people to cardano potentially too so there's there's some yeah. but why don't we get yeah. Uh, sorry i don't want to keep you guys too long when we, when we get glenn's final words here before i call him greg again uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah thanks and, and yeah just appreciate your time and thanks for your support and and it really is you know as you said right at the beginning it's ironic that in the space you need to trust in the trustless society <laughs> in the trustless environment and the trust is we got to trust you know we got to be because it is it's a challenge you know, because it, just like Greg said, you know, you at the end of the day, to a level, you've got to back the team that's putting forward some stuff and say, do I trust this team who has, who has the objective to deliver? And just one of the things we want to say is we're Africans. We understand the issues and we really are trying to solve it, to use this technology in innovative ways to solve a problem that has seemed unsolvable to date. And that's the part that excites me is that this technology has the opportunity to really transform in the financial systems. And it's that through this kind of usage that we're gonna be able to do that. And it's real world usage, real world implication, but it's new technology and new thinking. And so, you know, we keep saying we're building the airplane as we're trying to fly. It's a challenge. And we, as you say, we're gonna make mistakes as we go, but our intention is to deliver our intention is to maximize value for those who are contribute while not extracting from people on the ground who can least afford it. So that's the balance that we constantly walk in. It's the road that we constantly walk in is how do we do that without extracting it from the ground, which is the traditional model. I'm going to charge you 30%. That's not our objective. Our objective is to make it affordable and to create as much value as we can. 
every time I hear that, I just freak out because it's ridiculous that it's 30%. And I knew it was that because of our last interview, but every time it's, um, I think, uh, I, I just really, I just really am rooting for you guys for real. And I think that you're in a kind of niche here where you can make those mistakes because as this scales, you're kind of covering your bases in ways for all the token holders of the ecosystem. And there's, there's not been a blueprint. So yeah, I would encourage people in your community to definitely have some empathy as you guys kind of figure, figure out some things too, because that's, what's going to allow also, you know, the team to be more successful is give them some, you know, potential breathing room. That makes sense to me as well. So yeah, man, you know, Glenn and Greg, thank you guys so much. We had an incredibly fun conversation, I think yeah. personally. And yeah. uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was exciting. And there's, there's a lot, it sounds like 30, so 30 homes, there's the NFT sale and that's all on the website. That's all in, in the discord. Yeah. So maybe I'll leave those preliminary links for people in the description of wherever I put this. And um, that's pretty much it. So I guess that's the show. Glenn, Greg, thanks so much for coming. That's Empower. Okay. That's like a, a house. It looks like a household name. Like it just, it looks exactly like a household <laughs> name. So take that for what it's worth. And we're out guys. I'm going to pause the recording. That's Jay Crypto, Glenn, Greg. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.